Bueller. 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 Oh, how'd you do? I do. I passed, but I failed. Yeah! But then I'm happy and sad. Bright as you could have a brother or so. Don't call me stupid. Who out of the chicken crossed the road? Take it from the left to the right! Right! Yeah. You'll be teaching remedial English. Remedial English? Look, I ain't no English teacher. See? Double negative. What if she wants you to kiss her? Well, then I guess I'm just gonna have to kiss her. Amanda Jones is no minor leaguer who will be swept off her feet at the touch of your amateur lips. Thanks. This babe has plenty of battle scars. Apparently it's rusted junk and we're looking at it. Hello and welcome to the penultimate, i.e. last but one, of season two, where we look at the 1986 film Pretty in Pink, starring James Spader, Andrew McCarthy, Molly Ringwald and John Cryer. I love this woman. I love this woman and I have to tell her. And if she laughs, she laughs. It makes it easier, easier to bear. Feel any better if I asked you to the prom? His name's Blaine. He's so beautiful. Blaine? Oh, that's a major appliance. That's not a name. You won't regret it, no, no. Some girls, they don't forget it. Does he have strong lips? Strong lips. Too weird for me, you know. Maybe this shouldn't happen. You know, maybe it doesn't happen all the time. It doesn't mean it isn't right, right? This is not the time to get serious over some nimrod. He's going to use you and then throw you away. You're ashamed to be seen with no, me. I am You're not. ashamed to go out with me. You like him, he likes you. Uh, what his friends think shouldn't make any difference. So I'm let them know that they didn't break me. Just don't write love songs like they used to. It's, I, I, oh. Pretty in pink. So, um. Were you about to sing the theme tune, man? Well, having seen the psychedelic furs uh, a few times there, um, yeah, I could, I could give it a go. Are and psychedelic? I don't think I'd make a good Richard Butler. Um, but who's, who's that? Lead singer of the Psychedelic Furs. Okay. Anyway, um, I'd, hopefully I'll be seeing them next year. Anyway, that's a little aside. 1986, Pretty in Pink, uh, another John Hughes film. Um, as I pointed out in the intro uh, before you heard the trailer, it is our penultimate um, episode of season two. Um, when we are going to do another John Hughes film, and that's The Breakfast Club. But for now, uh, we'll talk about Pretty in Pink. We'll we'll talk more about that later, because we're going to have guest stars um, on our last podcast. So, Pretty in Pink. I've been dying to know this since you finished (laughs) watching the film. Um, For new listeners, I tried to get a a flavour of what she thinks um, uh, at the end of every... And I look at her and I go, well, what do you think? Do you, and, and I either get a, ooh, or I get a, uh, and I got a, uh, for this one. Which <laughs> makes me think it's not going to score highly uh, on that. Um, I think I'll go first this time, simply because I think I can predict what you're going to say. Um, this is 
this is what teen films should look like. This is what teen romance films should look like. This um, is a, a blueprint, I think, for other teen films that followed it in some way. Uh, we'll talk about that more in trivia time, where the director himself actually wants to go back and, and rewrite parts of this film because there's nothing wrong with the story. There's just something wrong with the end. Um, but that doesn't take away from this being a extremely strong 9 out of 10 um, <clears throat> uh, for many reasons which we'll get into um, but yeah Pretty in Pink has again I always say it I know it's a cliche but it does have really good memories of the rewatchability of it um, you know what's coming you know what's you know what's going to come you know all the things that are going to irritate you are still going to be there we'll get to that but also you know the performances are, are still going to be a strong um particularly for me, um, as we'll go into it, but John Cryer is the standout in this film. Um, and that's even with a film with James Spader in, I say that, but we'll get to that in a moment. Um, so that's my score. Your score? Just gets a seven. You're joking. No. And you. See, this is why I went first. <laughs> because I, I don't understand how it can be less than an eight. It's a seven because I just feel there's lack of depth of character. What? There is. There's from, lack from of depth who? from the majority of them. But you were watching. You were next to me. You didn't oh, have was, like headphones on and watching something I else. Think, I think sometimes though, because I've not seen the film from start to end. Right. Okay, so I'm watching it fresh. Fresh. Right? I think what you've done is you've looked at it through your rose-tinted specs because you just love John Hughes films. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So I think you weight it more, whereas I'm looking at it as a film and I think it just gets a seven. Whoa. Right, rose-tinted specs mm. are Howard the Duck. Oh, yeah. Rose-tinted specs probably doesn't qualify, but is Iron Eagle. Mm. Okay. Rose tinted text because there's so many different things that I love about it memories, place, time, whatever. Mm. Okay, I might give you that. I, I can't concede it's it not for a Pretty nine. in Pink. Of course, I'm it's a sorry, nine. It's not a nine. Of course, it's a nine. It's, it's not it's, a nine. It's a nine because it's it's a, there's a, nine. a legacy. No. There's a legacy to it, which I'll get to when we describe the film a little bit more. But wow. Well, <laughs> there's nothing like starting the. Penultimate episodes with with bombshells like that. Well, but the percentage scores were seventy eight and eighty one, so they're right. pitching it around a high seven. So they're both eights. Eight. Both eights. No, a high seven and an eight. Uh, uh, an extremely I high think seven. It's just about a seven. Yeah, so you're out of kilter so, with the rest no, of pretty well, you're much way society. Off then with your nine. Why am I way off? You're you're further. What off. were the scores again? Sorry, seventy eight and, and eighty one. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you're further away from that than I'm, with your nine. Yeah, but, well. <laughs> anyway. I'm not far off. You're wrong on this one. But no, anyway. I'm not. Um, oh, I don't know. Before we get into the film, should we do roll call now? Should we do a bit of early roll call? And then we can get into the film. Because there's a lot There's a lot in this to, to unpack. There's a Is lot that... of things. Wow. You're really harsh on this well, one. I didn't think there was a lot to unpack. Crikey. Well, okay, all right. All right. 
Well, for those people that like the sound of a member's voice, you might be disappointed on this one because, <laughs> uh, well, I hope not. I, I hope there'll be some interesting doings race. Tell you what, let's stop this crazy train for the moment and let's do roll call and then let's take it from there. So here we go, it's roll call. Roll call. Okay, so roll call. I'll have to go and into my... I put my glasses on for this one. Um, I printed out the wrong uh, the wrong font. So it's actually a smaller font than I usually do. So you I couldn't actually, see it. So I actually need my reading glasses <laughs> in order to see it. Yeah. Um, Age becomes him. Well, do you know what? I don't think there's a single picture of me in reading glasses, so that's fine. So people that... In fact, people don't know what I look like anyway. No. Uh, they know what you look like. Do they? <clears throat> They do if you follow the Facebook page, because we found out you could play Rusted Junk through Google. Oh, yes. So yeah, if you want to see video of Amanda and let's face it, who doesn't? Um, then <laughs> not sure about that. That yeah. came out wrong. Um, yeah, I was well impressed. If you're well lazy, right, you can just say, "Well, I won't say it because it will set the speaker off." Yeah. But you just basically ask your intelligent speaker that's always listening to you to play our podcast so yeah. Rusted Junk Podcast and we actually asked in the on the post whether or not it does it in others yeah so let us know does it yeah. does it play on Alexa and Siri and now my phone's going to go mental no my no the iPad yeah everything's fine because it, it plays on the the big G uh, I can't say it because it'll set it off the big G <laughs> um, okay so roll call um not doing well after that time, after that uh, introduction. Uh, so Molly Ringwald. Mm. Okay. Um, any films that you remember? We'll be covering Molly Ringwald in the next film. Okay, so Molly Ringwald plays a fifth of the pivotal. Well, not fifth. she plays Molly Ringwald. That's harsh, because you've only seen one film when they're in. What, 16 Candles? You haven't seen 16 Candles? Oh, I thought I had. Not, well, I don't know when you watched it. Which is the one with... Hmm. Uh, yes. Mm, uh, maybe I thought I was watching that and watched something else then. I don't know. Ah, yes. The confusion on 80s films. <laughs> it's, a, it's a common thread throughout. What, was, what have I seen her in then? I don't know. What have you seen her in? You haven't seen 16 Candles. We're going to watch The Breakfast Club. You've just watched Pretty in Pink. You haven't seen... And this is where he starts... Space Hunter Adventures in the Forbidden Zone, which is where I first saw her, uh, which she starred in that. It was in 3D. So naturally, because I see Jaws in 3D, I have to see Space Hunter in 3D. It's the same year. Um, she is famous for Betsy's Wedding, uh, which is the one I'm going to recommend you check out. Um, it's an extremely good film, uh, and it stars one of my heroes, Alan Alder. Uh She's also in Riverdale. I don't watch it. Uh, the Secret Life of the American Teenager. Um, and a, I presume a, a very popular film because it's on Netflix, but I've never seen it and I didn't know she was in it until I looked up on Roll Call. Um, she's in The Kissing Booth. Oh, right. I okay. was just thinking about The Kissing. Right. On Wait the film. Minute. No, no, no. Oh, oh, oh. We'll no you just that. mentioned it, so I've got to talk about it. Hang on. Hang right. on. The Kissing in the film is rubbish. What? What are you on about? The kissing is rubbish. It's not proper kissing. The kiss... Right, the two kisses in front of the cars that they have. I'd be well disappointed if my kiss was like that. He's holding a face, doing a really nice... Oh, God, it would annoy me. I'd I'd dump him. 
lord. That was a sort of indirect compliment there, babe, by the way. Thanks. That's all right. I'm not indirect. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm still reading from the uh, from the seven thanks, but still. Um, the Kissing Booth 1, 2 and 3. She's oh in all God. of them. So I don't know what she well, plays. she's obviously not very good at it, though. Well, she's obviously very good at it because they made two and three. Well, clearly she wasn't doing it right, so they had to make two. And then she had to make three just to try and get it right. Okay. Um... Andrew McCarthy, we, who we discussed, obviously. He's a bit starey, isn't it, in this one? Scary? Starey. Starey? Starey eyes. Uh, yeah, wistful, probably. And have they dyed his hair in this film? I... Because it looks a bit odd. I don't know. Looks um, a bit dark. Spader gets the haircut. I mean, yeah, John, Ducky's... He, he, Spader is like the 80s, like, oh, kind just, of, you yeah. know, oh. typical... We'll get to him in a, in a moment. Guy. Um, so Andrew McCarthy, yes, we talked about. Uh, please go back to the podcast, uh, the highlights. Uh, check out a film called Class, which he started with Rob Lowe, Jacqueline Bissett. Uh, don't repeat to myself again. Um, talking to repeat to myself, Spader, James Spader, just incredible. Um, again, it's, the the roles that we covered: Mannequin, <clears throat> Lesson Zero, and Pretty in Pink. I actually think Lesson Zero and Pretty in Pink are probably about good two good performances however because we have to stop at the 80s because our 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 door closes in 1989 we can't cover any film after that there are loads of good james spader moments in the 90s you oh, maybe there's got a future to go check them out absolutely yeah maybe we should just do guest ones just because they start james spader but anyway let's get away from that uh john crier so ducky what else have you seen him in I don't know, but I'm a bit like Amy. I get him mixed up with, um, what's so his name? So, Ducky. Ducky. Ferris Bueller. What's his name? So you get Matthew Broderick. Yeah, I get him a bit mixed up. Well, I was going to say that it happens, but, but it doesn't. Um, okay, well, I'm, I'm sure both of them would be equally flattered but be being... I'm you, sure they wouldn't. They're, they're, well, they might be. Uh, John Cryer has started in Super, also started Superman 4 a film called Dudes uh, Dudes came out a year later after Pretty in Pink and I just watched it because it had John Cryer in it it's a very dark road movie um, it's worth checking out I would say uh, that's one of the highlights I would say um, John Cryer and James Spader uh, also appeared in a TV show called The Practice so they were in a TV show together again I didn't see The Practice there's so many shows that I need to go back on um, I'm not finding TV pretty, pretty good at the moment, so I might, I might retreat to the the 80s and 90s, which is what I have been doing um, during lockdown. <laughs> I'm going back and watching. Well, as soon as we're we're on the 80s podcast, I'm going back and watching Street Hawk and uh, a TV show called Head of the Class, um, in which Howard Hessman played a teacher who teach gifted uh, children at a New York school. Um, he I'm, teached. I'm, it taught. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'd never make a good teacher. You might teacher. need to go back to school, love. <laughs> I, I, I can't fail English. That's impossible. Um, <laughs> the, um, but what he's most famous for will be his stint uh, with Charlie Sheen in Two and a Half Men sitcom, in which he was in the for well for all the seasons they replaced Charlie Sheen with Ashton Kutcher and it still starred John Cryer. Oh, that was him. That was him. Hi. Right, yeah, I know. Right. Yeah, yeah, got, okay. it. got it, got it, got, got it, got it, got it, got it, got yeah. it, yeah. good. Yeah, good. Yeah. Uh, Harry Dean Stanton, so uh, Andy's Molly Ringwald's dad. 
Oh yeah, I've seen him in something else. Yeah. Was he in well, uh, go, oh, Mash? Are we going to go? No. Uh, no. Do you know what? No. Uh, I pretty much know everyone that get, even guest appeared in Mash, and I can't remember how it didn't stand Oh, he just got, looks like one of those faces that should have been in Mash. Well, you might remember him because he played the character Carl Rod in Twin Peaks. Fire, walk with me. And he also repeated the role in the new Twin Peaks for yes. five episodes. Twin Peaks? Yeah, so Twin what Peaks. A show. While we're on that, he's uh, working backwards actually in this case. He was in also in Wild at Heart. So, right. um, pretty much David Lynch's next best film, hmm. next best thing after Twin Peaks. I love Wild at Heart. You know, now that, even when I looked it up, I went, do you know what? It's been a while since I watched Wild at Heart. I need to go and watch it. What uh, year was that? 19. 19- 91 oh, he says two years out 1990 anyway he's also in Red Dawn but probably what he might be well two roles that he might be most famous for will be in Escape from New York uh, which we oh, Snake Plissken may, may be, might be covering in season three I think we discussed that yeah yeah we might be action yeah absolutely uh, but he was also Brett in Alien he was one of the crew of the Nostromo the one oh. in the cap um, okay. Alien, well, Alien needs no introduction. It's an absolute classic. If you haven't seen it, uh, postpone watching Pretty in Pink and go and watch Alien and then go watch but, Pretty but in Pink. But po- po- they are polar? They are poles apart as they, genres They are film. certainly poles apart. Um, and lastly, in this one, uh, we've got Annie Potts, who plays uh, Andy's, Andy's <laughs> friend, uh, oh, the-, the owner of Tracks. Now, you see, I actually liked her. Right. I thought she was a good character. Do you recognise her from anything? No. Okay. Um, she, in no well, in an order that, that means that I'm saving the best for last. She was in a, uh, and we really should cover this film because I, I, I love it. She was in a film called Jumping Jack Flash uh, with uh, Whoopi Goldberg. Um, oh, God. It, but... Honestly, you know me and my relationship with Whoopi Goldberg. I've never <laughs> forgiven her for Sister Act. <laughs> Sister Act, I'll never forgive her for. It's just a dreadful, awful film. But I hate to say it, she was good in Jumping Jack Flash. Okay. Um, she was... Annie Potts played the voice of Bo Peep in Toy Story 1, 2 and 4. Um, I can't remember Bo Peep being in 4. But apparently, yeah, she was in 4 but not in 3. But in 1 and 2. My first is in Bo. My, my second Toy is Story in Toy Story 4? That was the last one. Yes, exactly. She just wasn't in 3. But what is she most famous for? Um, I don't know. Ghostbusters. What do you want? Oh, yes. We got one. Oh, my goodness. Yes, that's yeah. her. <laughs> that's her. Nice. So, two years after Ghostbusters, she did that. She was in Ghostbusters 2. And... Uh, she's also in the new Ghostbusters film, Ghostbusters Afterlife, uh, which was supposed to be coming out this summer, like a lot of things are going to come out this summer. Don't know what's going to happen to her. But yeah, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Maybe they'll release it for October on streaming on demand. I don't see people going back to cinemas too much, but yeah. Anyway, mm. Annie Potts. Um, that is Roll Call. So yes. Um, right, back to the film. Um there's some bad fashion. Now, I... I There's 80s fashion. I, I mean, it just, wasn't, though. Of course it I was. I grew up in the 80s. That was horrendous. What was she wearing? 
She goes to thrift stores. She makes her own clothes. Yeah, but even so, she looks like an old granny trying to dress in the 80s. She looks like someone that hasn't got a lot of money and the family hasn't got no, a lot of money. No, she doesn't. And is, and is going to charity shops and finding some ensembles. Well, she needs to like update her ideas. Then. So should she look like the rich kids that, that, that berated her? No, I'm not her? saying that at well, all. Then, but, you know... Bit of individuality. 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 <laughs> Look at Madonna in her early years. She didn't have a lot of money. She was a student. Well. She had style. Pardon me. She had grace. Really Hayworth gave her face. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Um, um, yeah, I just think, oh, just, no. Just the fashion was just, like, awful. Okay. I like the fact that she made some of the clothes. I mean, yeah. I did that. But I certainly didn't make clothes that looked like that. I was, what? I was born 74. So what was this? 86. So I would have been 12 when this came out, right? Okay. So I was at that point where I was making my clothes. I made quite a few clothes. Taught by my mum. Yeah. Uh, really enjoyed doing it. But my God, I'd never looked like her. That was just stylish fashion gone wrong. Well, um, can I... Seeing as you brought up the fashion, yeah, uh, it's reminded me of a bit uh, a book. Uh, when we get to trivia time, I'll just read. I only had one excerpt to read, read from the book. Her you? mate that ran the record store, sorry, yeah, okay. was far more fashionable, and I bet she made her stuff. Right, well, wait a minute. Right, I would recommend this book. It's called John Hughes: A Life in Film. It's by Kirk Honeycutt. Um, Twenty pounds on Amazon in hardback. It's very, very good if you like to find out a bit more about John Hughes you find out the good and the bad it's not just a blowing smoke kind of thing um, uh, what they talk about the fashion um, in the film uh, so bear with me on this one but chip in like you have been doing so please by all means <laughs> oh well thank you very much in the film her character is a poor kid so she wears thrift, thrift short store clothing easy for you to say but changes things up her clothes have her own personality just as she has her own identity for a dance, she takes two dresses and puts them together in, she into one. She butchers them. She butchers them. That dress, that prom dress, that gorgeous prom dress, she mm. butchers and comes out with something looking like a triangle. Because before we've got to the, the meat of the film, but yeah, okay. Oh. I, I, was, I, I half thought that this could happen, but anyway. Um, so the costume designer uh, uh, was called... Uh, oh... I can't remember. Uh, second name is Vance. She hated she hated a dress I came up with, said Vance. She wanted a strapless dress with a big skirt. She wanted to look like Madonna. So this is talking about Molly Ringwald. But that's your character, I said. I'm going to I'm going to be I'm gonna I'm going by your character, not Molly Ringwald. So I went to talk to John Hughes. After all, he created his character. John said, Yeah, of course that's what she is. So she wore it extremely reluctantly oh god Vance outdid herself with Pretty in Pink the characters wardrobes are the characters identity as the film opens Molly does a reverse striptease we watch in close ups as Andy puts on war paint and an outfit to dazzle the town she pulls nylon stockings up high 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 on her thighs sips the back of her shirt rummages for the right earrings does her eyes and lips and then dons a pale uh, pink blouse she sports large oval glasses, frizzy red hair, and ruby red lipstick to contrast 
with her pale skin and long earrings. Voila! She's a modern-day Jane Austen heroine and knows <laughs> her own mind and tastes in men. Oh, good Lord. No, no, and no. Oh. Later on at school, a long-time ducky calls, her, calls it a volcanic ensemble, which he describes as hot, dangerous. But the snooty rich girls wonder where she got her clothes. The five-and-dime store, they taunt. Well, this is, of course, all too accurate. <coughs> so, yes, it talks about how James Spade dresses and how Andrew McCarthy dresses and how, du- how Ducky dresses. But, yeah, I just thought that might have been a little, little bit pertinent to what you were talking about. Um, it's an 80s film, so you seem to be berating it for 80s clothes. No, I'm not. Okay. No, I'm right. not okay. doing Ooh. that. Okay. Oh, sorry, I'm finger-wagging. You can't are see finger-wagging. That. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is... I don't believe they've interpreted the character and the style of fashion that character would wear. I don't. Right, so from her point of view, you find out pretty pretty, pretty, pretty much early that um, the mum has walked out on the yeah. family three years ago, three years previous to this. She's, she's taking the, the mantle of looking after her dad who doesn't seem to want to work, doesn't seem to want to do anything, but cares deeply about his daughter. I mean, you know, for a John Hughes film, this is a positive adult um, that, that you know, that genuinely cares about her, but is suffering extreme heartbreak still three years later. Um, she's, she's trying to stand out from the rest of the crowd without worrying about what the rest of the crowd is thinking. Her best friend, Ducky, dresses... Takes, takes her idea of individuality and just putting things on and takes it even further. I mean, if she's in the room, he's out the window because if she's in a different room, because his, that's how he wants to make his mark. Hmm. Right, at, right at the end, him. right it at the end, he dresses him. up and he says, I will and always shall be a duck man. And he points at his shoes, which are from the, the, the charity shop. Hmm. So he says... He's, he wants to do this for her, but he still wants to retain his identity. Mm. So fashion plays a huge part in this. All the rich kids dress the same. Well, of course, because they all follow the same ideology. Andrew McCarthy looks like James Spade, and they could practically swap suits with each other and still look the same. But these two are standing out from the crowd, and they don't care who knows it. don't know. Well, I don't know. I just think their fashion harsh. sense was a little bit off. There's also an underlying thing. So when we talk about... So There's a good intro into it. Actually put me off her character a little bit. Her character? Mm. Oh, wow. I did that... Well, I guess drawn to it in a different way. Um, there is prejudice. The rich kids, like, pretty much don't say, do not go outside of the cir- the rich circle. In that way, it's a lot like some kind of wonderful. So if you haven't seen oh, some kind of wonderful... Oh, you mix like with like, yeah. You don't mix outside. Yeah, absolutely. So some kind of wonderful does the, does the same thing. Um, pretty much, there are there are pretty much shot for shot. Well, I don't um, agree with that, you know. No, obviously I don't. But she has put... So, but Andy, Molly Ringwald has prejudice. You know, there is a prejudice there. Even though she likes Andrew McCarthy, she likes his face. She's never spoken to him. Because they go to the same school, but they're in different tracks. They don't. They don't. They. They've never had the chance to talk to each other because their groups keep them apart. Hmm. But she has prejudice, and it doesn't come across that much in the film. But remember when he comes in to buy the record hmm. as an excuse to talk to her, and he said, "Oh, can you tell me what this record's like?" And it's a record by Steve Lawrence. It's probably 
there was only, it's like buying a record by Val Dunican in the UK, <laughs> you know. But he says, "What's it? What's it like? Is this is this hot?" And she goes, "Oh, white hot." And when he goes to pay for it, she goes, "Cash, American Express Platinum card." Mm. And you're like, "Ooh, get you." You know, just because he's got just because he's got a bit of money and stuff, you don't have to like rub it in. And he, in the end, he pays with cash. And you're like thinking that's a, that's a, that's a bit of prejudice. On the flip side of that, Ducky has prejudice because he thinks the rich, all the rich kids are out to do is make money and to basically be mean to everyone else. That's that's his view. So when these two star-crossed lovers start to start to bridge this gap people on both sides fall out Steph James Spader is extremely prejudiced he he to the point of he tries to pick up Molly Ringwald she says um you know he says oh you know I've that slept was at with the start of the film wasn't that's it? right I've slept with thousands of girls and I've been with thousands of girls you know hundreds plenty of girls at this at this at school I don't see what makes you any different and he, she goes uh, well I have taste and he's rebuffed and he doesn't get rebuffed because he's got lots of money he drives a nice car yeah, and everything else in, in crowd kid isn't he yeah absolutely and she basically goes just don't care so you you have got the two extremes and the two of those in the middle meet Ducky's the extreme on one side James Spader's the extreme on the other and these two meet in the middle but, it's a bit Romeo and Juliet, isn't it? Well, yeah, if only it had the same ending. But we'll get to the ending in uh, time. Can we talk about John Cryer then? So let's let's get off the the uh, you getting off the wrong side of the bed and giving pretty pink a seven. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the character of Ducky. Come yeah, on, come on. Yeah, I thought it was lovely, isn't he? But it was quite funny because not funny, but it was quite telling because when like his dad. Sorry, Molly's dad was talking about um, like the two ducky. Yes, that's a great one. Gear, we'll um, get to that. Like he, you know, he he basically came out with stuff that you know he loved. He really loved a woman in his life, and yeah. he married her. But unfortunately, she just left them, left them, and didn't come back and didn't communicate at all. So. I think the lesson was don't I think love has to be equal it cannot be more on one side than the other it has to be equal to work in a relationship because otherwise the other one will either not love you back or will feel smothered and you will never get satisfaction as the one with more love than the other one Ooh, okay you won't and I, and I think that's quite... Um, We're getting quite deep on this one. Yeah, but I think that's, you need to okay. because a lot of the other bits are a bit superficial. Um, so I just wanted to kind of bring that out because that was something I wanted to talk about. Okay. So I think that's why the ending is why it is. Because Ducky... No, no, no. no. Listen, no. Twice no. No, Ducky overloves Andy. She will never love him on the same level that he loves her she won't she's not attracted to him there's nothing there there's no spark what do you mean what do you mean there's no spark there's no spark she's what, never the, she's never of course been, there's a spark no she's not romantically involved with him right okay the, 
it was a perfect opportunity for him to, you know, confess his feelings for her when he because he's like a he's, a, he he's like any other teenager. They don't know. They yeah, they can't articulate things. She overheard what he was doing and what what he was saying to himself when she was in the kitchen getting him a drink. Yeah, and that was a prime opportunity to say either, oh yeah, okay, let's have, give it. She a didn't go. hear him say. She didn't hear him say. So look back at the film. She didn't hear him say. What if I tell her I, I, I'm in love with this girl and I should just tell her and all this sort of thing. She didn't hear that bit. I'm sure she did. It well, wasn't a very big you, part. You cut the downstairs and you, she well, hears him anyway. singing. But love is real. I just, I, and I think that's why the film centres on the fact that she is like attracted to um, to Blaine. Hmm. She's attracted to him. There's there's something exciting, and he's attracted to her, and they know that they're not in the same social circles, and they know that it's going to be an issue. Hmm. Yet they're willing to give it a go and see where it leads to. Can I tell you, she needs Ducky. There is a telling bit which I honestly I've watched this film so many times. I can't believe that. Ducky was sorry. I've cut you off there. Okay, <laughs> it's okay. But I can't believe that Ducky, like, and her at prom, that well, he, well, he, he well, walks we'll get, her up. Yeah, I right. can't believe that. Well, we, we I would be a bit peed off to be honest. We'll 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 get to that. Um, so, I mean, he's Why romantic. Does she need Ducky, then? He's he's romantic. You know. You know, when he's talking to the dad, he's going, my my sole thing is to make sure she's taken care of. You know, he's trying to establish yeah, a relationship with the dad. Yeah, well, bit, no, he, he said, he said, and maybe, and maybe one day, one day, you know, marry her. Yeah, how he's old trying are to be, they? Are he's they trying 16? to be the nice guy. They're going to be 18. That's huge. Well, of course, yeah, but people get married. Our parents got married at young ages, so... Um, <laughs> When she comes back from the club and she's expecting... So after the first time that she gives Andrew McCarthy a phone number, she gets home. You know, there's all those answer phone messages from Ducky. Hmm. Okay, 6.30. Hey, Andy, where are you? It's Duckman. Call me back. Hmm. Beep. 6.17. I'm outside. I'm just like, you know. And she's like getting slightly annoyed with it all. When the last message is played, did you not see that she looks at it, feels guilty, and goes to pick the phone up. And then doesn't. Because she wants to phone him back. She's not wait- She's waiting for the call from Andrew McCarthy. She's not going to phone Andrew McCarthy. She's going to phone Ducky back. And I'm like going, I've never seen that before. In all the times that I've watched it, I've never seen that nuanced bit whereby she's going, I, I can't leave him out in limbo. So there, there are little telling signs that, you know, in time, no, she something, could, something could have happened. She phones. No, Ducky. he picks up. He picks up. That, that's it. He, she picks. It rings. He picks it up. She, Ducky, I'm, I'm busy and all this sort of thing. Call you tomorrow. Click. Puts it down. Yeah. Then looks at the phone and goes, "I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done that. I need to. I need to ring him back." But she doesn't do it. No, no. You see, no. That's, that's no. That's, that's not exactly what, what happens. No, that's not what I'm picking up. I made up a from note that. because I was like, I can't believe no, it. But no, no but, no but. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but, no but. Um, she is thinking about phoning Blaine. She's not thinking about she phoning She hasn't got Ducky Blaine's back. number. Well, she could find it. 
I'm sure they've got a telephone directory. What is it? This isn't Back to the Future, you know, where he gets the telephone directory and rips rips out the Doc Brown's house. But, yeah, okay. Could have gone to the x you know, the Yellow Pages or... um, She'd have got his number. Crikey, when I was young and I was that age and I, you know, phones were like the thing that you had in the hall and you had to ask your parents to use. Hmm. I remember going through phone books trying to find like the numbers of like a boy that I kind of fancied at school and finding his parents' address and finding their phone number and then plucking up the courage to, to ring the I was going to say, next, next time we should do Fatal Attraction. <laughs> I don't know where this is going. I, st- I stalked him to the point I rang the family's parents thing and rang up and pretended stalking. to be a... Okay. But I wasn't... You know, I was scared, but it was exciting scared of, right. like, phoning up someone that you fancied. Hmm. Did you not go through that? Phoning up people that I fancied? Yeah. No. Why? Okay. I went out. I was out. I was drinking. So if there was anyone I wanted, I fancied. What, like when then... you were 12 and 13? Yeah, but I didn't use the phone. I didn't use the phone when I was 12. Well, my first kiss was Suzanne Chandler when I was in primary school. Oh, that doesn't final count. year. Well, of course it counts. It first. doesn't. Well, it's enough that it counts that I remember she was called Suzanne Chandler. It doesn't count because it's not tongues. Uh, was it? <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> not at, not at that wasn't. age. Um, no. No, and then I, oh, then, I went to, then I went to school. I like, yeah, but I like girls at school. I met people at school. I wasn't just going, oh, well, I, they're in a different class. So I wonder what the surname is and I wonder what the dad does. And they follow him and they go to a florist or something and they go, right, okay, I'll ring up the yeah, florist. Yeah, school, go, like, what? Like, we had four forms. Right. In our school year. Oh, so there did. was like, oh. you know, uh, there was about 140 kids in our year. Okay. Well, I'm quite happy to after this. I'll make you a drink and we'll talk about your stalking stalking activities. Okay. Well, it sounds like I didn't do it, so I don't know what it is. But anyway, um, the way Ducky's written, by the way, um, I put... So he skips high... I I couldn't understand why he wasn't allowed into the club. Because Molly Ringwald's allowed into the club (laughs) at the start. I don't know. So the bouncer is Andrew Dice Clay. He's a renowned... Um, comedian in the States very extremely controversial um, I listened to him in my sort of 20s um, yeah I wouldn't advise you go back but I would I would say go and watch Andrew Dice Clay's latest show which is called Dice which is a retrospect he's not quite not quite as abrasive as he was before and that's a really good show because it shows a comedian decline anyway Andrew Dice Clay plays the bouncer that won't let Ducky in even though Molly Ringwald goes I mean, you've got to understand, as I, as I pointed out in trivia time, this is a this is pretty much a film without adults. They all hang out as if they're all like in their twenties. They all go and and to, you know to places and to bars and stuff like this. Ducky's not allowed in, but the telling thing is, she says, "Are you holding yourself back just to be with me while I'm at school?" So he's obviously older than her, but yeah, he's not allowed into the club. It's a bit. She's very odd. So I don't know why he's not let into the club, but anyway, that's a, that's a different thing. It's just a little minor annoyance. The way he's written is nice. It, it is is really good because when he gets his heart ripped out, when Andy goes out on the date with Andrew McCarthy, and he only finds out when Andrew McCarthy turns up to a place of work, mm. right? He bangs into Blaine on the way out, and 
hits him with the shoulder and turns around and says, sorry. And I'm just like thinking, I love that moment. I love that moment because his world has just gone crashing down around him without knowing it. He's dealing with lots of emotions, but he still has time to actually say sorry. He turns out to be a bit of a dick later on that evening. But at that particular moment, I thought that's just a, a really nice thing. James Spader advises Andrew McCarthy not to date Molly Ringwald. Molly Ringwald is impressed because Andrew McCarthy woos her through the use of a very 80s computer, um, as, as you would expect. I don't think those graphics existed on computers at no. that time, to be honest. I, think it was all I was super back in my brain trying to think, how on earth did you get into that? Yeah, exactly. I didn't hack into it. Probably just plug something. Well, I was going to say probably just plug something into the back, but we are before USB and hard drives and things like that. So I don't know. Maybe you put a CD-ROM or a floppy in. It was before then. Uh, Well, we might just be on the cusp of CD-ROMs at the time. Maybe Mm, not in computers. Oh no, sorry. This was when you're booting up computers off. Maybe you put a five and five and five and a quarter inch floppy disk in. Yeah, needed to 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 produce that picture. but yeah, so they go out and James Spade is like going, what are you doing? You know, seriously, your parents could kill you and all this sort of stuff. You know, you can't mix with other people. He does do it um, and then brings her on to what could be the most, the worst first date possible. And, yeah. and why is that? He takes her to a party full of rich, full of all the rich people that have either berated her at school um, her best friend at school gets gets Molly Ringwald into all types of trouble. Um, the rich kids pick on Molly Ringwald. She stands up for herself. Her friend stands up for her. Um, he takes her to a party where all these people are. James Spader is drunk, stroke, coked up, um, as as is quite a lot of the other people at the party. They're all running around. It all looks a bit sort of um, debauched in what they're doing. <laughs> mm. um, but then... He takes her to the club. He takes her to the party. They meet James Spader. They get. In, they sit on a couch in James Spader's room, get berated, and then he goes, oh, "Maybe this was a bad idea." You oh, think? Really? You think? Yeah. It was a bad idea when she said, "This is a bad idea." Before he took her to the party. Anyway, what does he do then? So instead of going, let's go for coffee. Let's go for something else. What happens next? Do you remember? Where did they go after that? He takes her to the club, she or she takes him to the club that she goes to, knowing that she'll run into people there that have that are of her ilk. And Andrew McCarthy gets like looked at, pushed around, not pushed around, but they kind of like look him up and down as if yeah, to go. I guess What's if the, the film, doing in if here? the film where they just went and had a pizza and a, and a coke. Yeah. True. It would have been a little bit boring, wouldn't it? But then she sees Ducky in there and still takes him to sit down. And I'm like going, have you not put this guy through enough today? I know, it was pretty rubbish, that. Yeah. Ducky, meanwhile, is tra- is is uh, is not romantically involved with, and I can't remember Annie Potts' character. Oh, it bugs me because I know this film inside out. Um, but he's sitting there with Annie Potts, who's drunk, and they're just talking, and he's talking about his feelings towards Molly Ringwald. But when Molly Ringwald comes in, he starts to act all, you know, romantic and and trying to to pick her up and not bothered about you you've been replaced (laughs) you know these are the sort of things he comes out he has a go at Blaine Um, but yeah so 
there's revert there's prejudice when he takes when she when she goes to the party and there's prejudice when she takes him to the club and it's still there so yeah maybe it's a bit like Roman Juliet um the last thing to probably say on this was and that, uh, I didn't make many notes after that but um only because I know the ending off by heart she then goes out and says and he says can I drive you home and she goes uh, yeah I don't want to go home he says well do you want to stay out she goes no I don't want to do anything he goes you don't want to stay you don't want to stay out you don't want to go home what, what do you want to do and he presses it and he presses it and he says, look, I'll just give you a lift. And she goes, um, I don't want you to see where I live. Echoes of some kind of wonderful where Amanda Jones doesn't want anybody to know where she lives, even though it's common knowledge. She doesn't, She wants, she's always trying to break out. So Leah Thompson, who plays Amanda Jones, mm. is always trying to break out of this, despite the fact that she will get lifts home she'll get the rich kids and all this sort of stuff they know where she lives but it's almost as if she doesn't want it to exist Mm. Um, but Andrew McCarthy shows a rare display of emotion because he's then going you know he gives her the car he opens the car door like a gentleman and puts her in and then goes Jesus Christ and and he's he's kind of browbeaten because it does matter it doesn't matter to him where she lives it's clear that he's, you know, he's, it he, he doesn't, he doesn't care about this. He's embarrassed about his friends. Um, oh, I see. Yeah. I didn't pick that up. I just think he's embarrassed. He's embarrassed about his friend's reaction because he's challenging Steph, his best friend of, you know, since they were probably very little. Hmm. Um, and Steph's going, don't hang out with this. And he's got genuine, he's got genuine feelings for her. Yeah, but do you know what? I felt that that could have been a lot harsher. I think that I think this is why I say there was not a lot of depth of character okay. to some of it. Right. I felt that there should have been a more of a clash between Steph and Blaine. Well, there was pretty much a big clash right there. It wasn't at the end. really. It was Steph telling him. Oh. He didn't he didn't like rebuke it or anything. He just like, yeah, 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 whatever. And then just carried on doing what he was doing. Okay. Um do you see what I mean? Yeah, it, it, yeah, yeah. There, was, there wasn't really a fight there. And, like, he let Blaine sort of persuade him to, to sort of, like, let her down with the prom thing. Yeah, so... Yeah, okay, so moving this along, because I, I know roughly where where we are, but you're, you're right. Um, there's there, there could have been more, but there was there was enough for me to know that that this that that particular thing between I, the two of them was all going to get to a head. I just felt like my comment here, Blaine, get a backbone. It was like just you know. Well, they get together, stand up for yourself, they, and yeah, and retaliate against this so-called friend of yours, yeah, and, and basically say, do you know what? Do one. It's not all about you know the parties at home and and stuff. Yeah, well, looks what well, what happens up to you know um, when people stand up to it. Uh, what happens to Mercutio in Romeo and Juliet? He doesn't take sides, but when he takes a side and when he has to, and he has to protect Romeo, he gets stabbed by Tybalt, and he's mm. like, he gets stabbed at the uh, 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 and you know, it's it's it, it's sad. In this case, nobody wants to stand down, wants to stand up to the alpha male. Nobody in the film stands up apart from Andy. Ducky, who then has a fight with James Spader at the end, when James Spader's pretty much, you know, um, saying to Andrew McCarthy, oh, she's trash, and, you know, mm. 
and all this sort of thing. Ducky overhears it, gets into a fight with James Spader. Mm. By this time, you're right, as you pointed out, Andrew McCarthy's already dropped her, mm. not returning a cause, behaving like a complete, you know, a-hole. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, she's decided that she's going to go to the prom on her own. She gets a dress from her dad. Mm. Um, the one thing she to point said, out to I her dad... I want to let him know he didn't break that's, me. Yeah, exactly. And again, it's a, it's a character. But this is one of those rare times in a John Hughes film where pretty much all the adults are usually, you know, cast in a really bad light. Harry Dean Stanton, as Andy's dad, is the sympathetic character. It's where the adult has been addict one of the other adults the mum has left mm. she's left both of them in the lurch it's not like she just left Molly Ringwald in the lurch he's hurting more than she is mm. okay and so you've so you've got this strange thing in a John Hughes film go back and look at them all adults wrong kids good in this case it's a breakout because there's there's, there's attachment there and it's very strong attachment between the two so yeah I, I just felt that way um while we were veering towards the end, um, the end is the bit that just uh, both fills me with joy and just really annoys me. And that's the reason it hasn't got a 10 and it would never get a 10 simply because of the end. There is literally no reason why she should have ended up with Andrew McCarthy. So she goes to the prom on her own. Uh, she thinks she's going in there. She's, as she says to her dad, she's going to just go in, make an appearance, and she's going to come home. The, the top of the stairs part, there's there's Ducky. He's all dressed up, um, except he's got his you know charity shop shoes on, um, and he's like, so he just wants to make sure she's not going to the prom on her own. Um, and he's just got such a big heart, and you just think, I mean, I'm not joking. Everyone, you know, the, I, I speak to until tonight. About pretty in pink. Just think that's just a, a really lovely move from him. And if Andrew McCarthy was going to fold that quickly against his mates, there's a high likelihood that it'd happen again. So the ending is she walks into the prom. Andrew McCarthy stands up to James Spader, who basically goes, "You don't need to bother yourself with her." And he goes, "Oh, do you know what, Steph?" He goes, "She, you know, she thinks she thinks you're sh, you know." SH1C um, and deep down his side you know she's right mm. that's the standing up bit but he does stand up okay yeah. it's not as good as it could have been but he does stand up there is no way that the two of them should have ended up together because he'll do it again uh, it, it's a it's a bit uh, I, I love the ending don't get me wrong I've been, I went to an OMD concert and um, if you've been to a, a question when he was in the dark concert they give you a they don't always play if you leave which is the signature song, well, apart from Pretty in Pink, of this film. Because um, it's it's the end bit where everyone goes, oh, it's the, great. Ducky gives her the approval. She runs out, she runs after McCarthy and kisses him in the car lot. Kisses him in the car park. Great. Not great. She should have ended up with Ducky. No, I don't agree. So you're in. You're either Team team Blaine or Team Ducky. And if no, you're in Team Blaine, I you're I like wrong. Ducky as a character, but I don't think she should be with him because... It's, it, as I said, it stems back to what Andy's dad and Ducky chat about. And Andy's dad, and I wrote this down, you can't make it happen. It either will or won't. And you don't, and he's th- you don't think about that, love. That, you don't think that that selfless act 
of after she's no, rinsed, she's not physically she's, attracted to after him. After she's rinsed his heart, he still finds in his he still finds in his heart to give her the thing that she wants, which is somebody to go to the prom with. Yeah, and she she appreciates that as a friend. Well, she's not. She doesn't want who knows, to be romantically who knows, involved with him. Who knows? Well, Dindy sucks. Well. I'm- it's it's a great look if you like that sort of thing and you like Blaine and you think he's a great character and I everything else then, I don't think he's a great then character. You're going to love the end. I didn't love the end. I thought the kissing was atrocious oh, as well. Okay, well, hence the just about made it to the seven. The end is good. The end, the end works. The music and everything together oh, just is perfect. It's a bit cliched though, it's isn't perfect. it? Perfect. It's perfect end. It's cliched with with an imperfect end with a terrible know. dress. Well, blimey. Anyway. There we go, pretty in pink. Mm. Um, we get to trivia now, to, okay. to trivia time. Go on, are we are we ready? Yeah. Do you want to introduce trivia time? What? Trivia time. Okay, trivia time. Um, Do we have a jingle for that? Yeah. Oh. I'm just putting it in. Oh. Yeah. I thought your silence made a good intro into trivia time. Oh, thanks. So there we go. Oh. Some good trivia in this one. Um, I was gonna. I am gonna read a little bit from the book because um, I just think it's. Uh, I just think it's um, very good. Uh, it was filmed at the same Los Angeles high school where Greece was made. What Rydell? Yeah, Rydell High. Um, the title "Pretty in Pink" is ironic because some redheads do not look good in pink. No, she doesn't look good. To in the country, it's one of their worst colours to wear yes it clashes with the hair and drains the colour from faces redheads famously look their best in shades of green apparently mm, they do didn't know that one um, Pretty in Pink was Ringworld's third collaboration with John Hughes following 16 Candles in 1984 and The Breakfast Club in 1985 coming soon though John Hughes didn't direct Pretty in Pink it was helmed by Howard Dooch who was the guy that did some kind of wonderful mm. so he made the remake that it should have been um, and the people ended up with the people they should have done. Uh, Watts is Ducky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, yeah. The really bad actor from Eric Stoltz. Yeah. Ooh, Claire, let's not go there again. Mm-hmm. Uh, who also directs him, kind of wonderful. He'd spent enough time with Ringwald to knew she was the only choice to play the part. Um, Ringwald, however, didn't initially accept the role. And allegedly, among the actresses considered to play Andy were Tatum O'Neill, Diane Lane, Brooke Shields, and Sarah Jessica Parker. Oh. Um, I can see it work with Sarah Jessica Parker. Well, no, I can't see it work because it's Molly Ringwald's film. So, um, Anthony and Michael Hall, uh, who played the super brain in The Breakfast Club, so you won't have met him yet, mm. who's also in 16 Candles, uh, he was worried about Dean Typecast, so he turned down the role of Ducky, um, even though it was written specifically for him. It wasn't written oh. for John Cryer. Um, he also it turned down the lead in Ferris Bueller. Which John Hughes had written from him. <laughs> so we're going to see a bit of a fallout soon <laughs> in the the breakup of that. Uh, Spader, uh, who played Steph, um, the boyfriend to stuck up Benny. Uh, she was the woman that she was the girl that was giving Molly Ringwald a hard time. She was in the bed with yeah. James Spader during an interview at the MTV premiere. Pretty in Pink Spader gets asked if he likes playing a villain. It's always fun playing the bad guy, he admits, and this is true of hell to his career ever since. He plays a great bad guy, one of the best. Uh, when he auditioned, James Spade auditioned for Howard Dooch and John Hughes, he completely immersed himself in the, in the character of Steph. 
He walked in smoking a cigarette in the room and crushed the cigarette on his way out after his audition. Hughes and Dutch almost didn't cast him until they realised how much he embodied the role. After Spade had got the part, John Cryer complimented his, his, his prior works. And Spader says, I figured I've got a lock on this teenage a-hole thing. (laughs) (laughs) And I think he's right. Uh, Annie Potts' character answers the phone at the record store. Tracks, what do you want? Character in Ghostbusters answers the phone going, Ghostbusters, what do you want? (laughs) Kind of like that one. So, Kate Vernon. So, Kate Vernon, who plays Benny... James Spader's girlfriend. Mm. Do you recognise her from anything else? She didn't make Roll Call, but I just thought she needs a mention in trivia time. Mm, don't know. This going back. But she also played... Do you remember Colonel Ty on Battlestar Galactica? The second in command. The one with the, they ended up with the eye patch. Yes. She played his wife. Bit of a deep space sex pot, they call her here. But I mean, <laughs> um, Ellen Ty. Um, Vernon is the daughter of actor John Vernon who played the Dean, Dean Werner, in Animal House, which was also written by... Animal House was written by John Hughes. Oh, okay. So, anyway. Uh, Gina Gershon, she's one of the... uh, In her first film roles, she just plays um, Benny's dark-haired friend, it's called. Oh, right. This is the lady we spoke about when we were watching a film. Is she in Dirty Dancing? Uh, I didn't look it up. Do you want to look it up now? Okay. okay. I have permission. Yeah, yeah. Permission to look What's the phone. name? It's fine. Gina Gershon. Oh, hang on. Gershon. G E R S H. Is it G I N A? G I N A. Yeah. Um, Gershon. G E R S H O N. Okay. I've got loads of people at home now going. Of course, you've been doing that. Oh, I can't see. I haven't got my specs on. I've been at my Give computer it to me. all Give day. It to me. First day back. Right. Okay. Talk amongst yourselves, talk amongst yourselves. I'll keep going, actually. Um, The foxy blonde who makes eyes with Ducky at the end of the film, where he does his bit of Ferris Bueller, who breaks the fourth wall, looks at the camera, and goes and she's made eyes at him, is uh, Christy Swanson. Um, She's listed in the credits as Duckette, which is a bit odd. But she goes on to play Buffy the Vampire Slayer and has quite a few film roles herself. Um, I'll have to hold off on the next bit because until you find out, because the next bit's quite sad. Was she in Dirty Dancing? Uh, it's not coming up. 1987? No. Let me just put in... Then she wasn't. Hang on. Well, we'll look at it later because we've got, obviously, we don't want to hold the podcast out for... I thought it would just be a quick, quick search. No, I thought it could be. Just put in Gina D- Gershon Dirty Dancing. If it comes up, she's in it. If she doesn't, she wasn't. That's, I don't think uh, she was. No? Okay. No. Oh. So who is the woman then that, that tips off? I don't um, know, but it's not. we know now it's not Gina I'll Gershon. I'll find out. She's the okay. one that has the private tuition. Find out later. We'll, t- we'll, we'll tell you next time. Right. Next time. Ooh. <laughs> um... So, uh, I didn't get a first name, but somebody, Kenin, played Jenna. So, Andy's buddy, uh, the gym buddy, um, are you still searching for the... No. Right, okay. Right. Um, she didn't, uh, she didn't live to see the film's release. The one that was looking after Andy and, and being basically the protector for her and stuff. She, uh, 
she was found dead in a Manhattan apartment on September the 10th, 1985. Um, no cause of death was ever publicly known, and a New York Times obituary simply states the cause of death was not immediately known. Oh dear. I know. Because I think she plays a good part in this. Mm. Um, the film features Dweezil Zappa, uh, Frank Zappa's kid, uh, in a bit roll. I've actually got a, a vinyl, um, My Guitar Wants to Kill Your Mama by Dweezil Zappa. Um, I bought that on 12 inch. Uh, this is the first ever feature film. According to 1986 People article, Zappa was Ringwald's boyfriend at the time. So the guy that was sitting there at the table at the start, which says, what would you do if you went out with a rich person or something? Or, you know, his dad was giving you some money or something. I can't remember what the line is. He said, well, I'd kiss his ass. That's that's Molly Ringwald's real-life boyfriend at the time. Um, they were introduced by his sister, Moon Unit Zapper. Oh, Great name. <laughs> Ringwald's rationale for the relationship was, I respect him and he's really gorgeous. Uh, as weird as it might be to think a pretty in pink ending to any other tune, the finale track was going to be a different selection from the OMD catalogue, Goddess of Love. Would not have worked. This is perfect. In the original ending, Andy chose Ducky, not Blaine. In fact, this ending was the one that test audiences originally saw and they objected that Andy had picked the wrong guy. The original ending was scrapped, and the one we all know today was filmed instead. When the ending was reshot, all of the principal cast members had to be called back. Andrew McCarthy had already lost a substantial amount of weight and shaved his head for a new role in a New York City play called The Boys of Winter, although he wore an auburn wig. There we go, then. He's noticeable. He's noticeably more gaunt in the reshot scenes. Yes. Yes. Because I said to you, has he dyed his hair or something? I thought you meant really as he dyed weird. his hair from previous films. No, no, no. A part right. way through the film, it just looks really weird. It's There's like, your answer. Ugh. There's your answer. And maybe those starey eyes are because he's a little bit more gaunt. Well, hmm. maybe. Hmm. Well done, Amanda. Yes, very, very, very much so. <laughs> Um, John Hughes was unhappy with the ending which Uh, one? he wanted Andy to get together with Ducky but the film's ending of Andy getting together was forced upon him getting together with Blaine was forced upon him by the studio in retaliation you know what's coming next Hughes virtually made the same film all over again the following year with Some Kind of Wonderful in 1987 a film about similar love triangle Hughes wanted Molly Ringwald to star in that as well Mm -hmm. but she refused Hughes took it personally and effectively ended their working relationship and never worked together again. Mm-hmm. Um, if you do read this book, and it is a very good book, um, Hughes is both a genius and holds a grudge. Boy, does this guy hold the grudge. Mm. Um, you really have to be on his inner circle in order to, to, to try and make it anyway. Robert Downey Jr. <gasps> what? was almost cast as Ducky when the ending had Andy to get together with Ducky. Oh. Uh, per Molly Ringwald, this ending may have stuck if Downey had won the role because he didn't give her the brother vibe that John Cryer did, according to Molly Ringwald. Mm. When Ducky gets thrown into a girl's bathroom after he bumps into <laughs> this guy's, he says regarding the tampon machine we don't have a candy machine candy. in the boys room yeah. um, this was ad-libbed by him 
wait a minute, we don't have any of this in the boys' room. He also ad-libbed, his name's Blaine. That's a major appliance, that's not yes. a name. Um, again, this is why it's John Cry's, John Cry's film. Uh, back in the day, most films, most major films had novelizations, apparently to appease people who wanted to keep up on Hollywood but didn't actually like seeing films. It's an odd, odd thing to write, but the people that write the trivia at IMDb are sometimes a bit weird. Um, just before I say this, that's I read the book of Jaws the Revenge before well I saw the film. I was so excited to see Jaws the Revenge that I bought the film, bought the book. That's how I know that when I went to see the film, I went, what's this? This is Bobbins. Well, there's no voodoo. The, the, the reason why the shark is going after the Brody family is because there's, there's a voodoo ceremony performed in... Oh, yeah, so the shark is the then. shark is under a voodoo curse. Oh, <laughs> as if do you know what? Oh God, we've jumped from. Do you know what though? I tell you what, film. I'm not being funny. That would have made Jaws and Avenger a, a heck of a lot better um, if the shark had a voodoo curse. Pretty anyway. Back to the book. Pretty in Pink was no different, but because the book was based on the original ending, it also had Andy ending up with Ducky, and that must have been a pretty major surprise to anyone who saw the movie first and then read the book. <laughs> And lastly, rated squarely between the breakthrough hip-hop soundtrack to Wildstyle and the old-school folkiness of Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? The Pretty in Pink soundtrack stands up today, even today. Um, Rolling Stone magazine recently did a top movie soundtracks and it came in at number 11 out of the top 100. Um, And it is. Uh, It has a song specifically recorded uh, for the film. Um, Pretty in Pink. But Pretty in Pink is a different meaning to what the meaning of the film. Uh, what does it mean then? Uh, it's all about the uh, trying to be something that you're not. It's trying to disguise yourself and, and be something that you're not. And it, that doesn't fit into the film. Um, Echo and the Bunny Men Bring on the Dancing Horses was apparently written because John Hughes approached and said, I need, I need something with a soundtrack and Bring on the Dancing Horses is brilliant. Uh, most 1980s teen flicks had soundtracks full of corporate rock filler see Top Gun soundtrack but John Hughes created this one into one of the finest new wave anthologies the magazine notes it's all lavish sadness with tunes from Echo and the Bunnymen New Order and the Smiths Mm. the kind of music Ducky needs to hear when he's sitting alone in his room Um, I have to say the soundtrack is is, you know is brilliant Um, I'm waiting for it to come down on price because it's on special edition pink vinyl um I just love the soundtrack. There we go. Where's that was the end of trivia time. Wow. Is there anything else to say about the film before we go into a very one uh, just a one one actor simply because we're running out of time on little does she know and then to tell all our wonderful lovely listeners we're now up to up to 35 listeners. So each one, no, 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 people are tuning into it. And I just think that's Unless great. And this is like a core of seven listeners that are listening to it five times. Well, do you know what? Can I just say to our, our lovely, really lovely listeners, you're all lovely. I don't know who you are. I know who a couple of you are, but I don't know who all of you are. Do you know what? We'd love to hear from you. We put stuff on Facebook. We stop putting stuff on Twitter because we just get absolutely nothing on Twitter. But if you want to get in touch with us, get in touch with us on Facebook or join the Facebook group and just start the conversation and just tell us tell us what you think of the podcast you know we're rusted rusted junk forgotten 80s podcast on on facebook go on there if you contact us via twitter we'll get it if you contact us by instagram we'll get it on both twitter and instagram we are at rusted j pod we would love to hear from you we, we don't know if 
I don't, we know that you're listening, but it could be that you're, I don't know, masochists, <laughs> that you like, like listening to it. We love listening to ourselves. <laughs> if you love listening to it, let us know if there's things that we can, the, the bits that you like or bits that we think we should drop. Because, you know, we're about to do one more film and we're going to go into season three. Um, and then we're going to change tack because we've done sort of teen films with planes, trains, and automobiles. John, John um, Hughes, is so yeah, a bit John Hughes, bit of things, but yeah, I think it needed to be covered because that was a huge part of the thing and one of the things I've got at the back of my mind. Are we going to do Jaws three? He keeps saying. I think I said that right at the very start, of the first podcast, that the reason I did this podcast and the reason, the only thing I wrote for the website that never materialised was my take on Jaws three, which is so much fun. Because there's so much wrong with it, but I love it to bits. Have I we love watch it. Watch one and two first. No, uh, well, yeah, I don't ever need an excuse to watch one and two, especially. Oh, uh, if you haven't checked out Jaws in 4K, buy it. Oh, it's good. Isn't it's it? the transfer is just. I mean, it's the best film of all time, but the transfer is just incredible. Um, we're gonna have a quick little does she know? We don't have a jingle for it, but I think this is an easy one. Okay. Okay. Mm. We're gonna do three the next time, and I'll talk about the next podcast we're gonna do. After three films starring George Clooney. You've done him before. No, we haven't. We did, yeah, we Brad, have. we did Brad Pitt. No, we've done George Clooney. I thought we did. We haven't done George Clooney. We have done George Clooney. Have we done George Clooney? Yes. Let's do Matt Damon. Born Supremacy. Oh, we did Matt Damon as well. We've done Matt Damon. <sighs> I can't remember my own. Oh, oh dear. God, see, what's going on? I don't know. Um, Nicole Kidman. Oh, um, <sighs> did she star in any Batman films? Uh, possibly. Oh, right. <laughs> Joe, um, Joe, that one was look, for you. Right, hang on. Okay, so Nicole Kidman. Yes. She starred in that really weird one with Tom Cruise. It was all a bit kind of undercover, a bit like the Masons. Yes. In a sex sort yes. of scenario. Filmed in London by Stanley Kubrick. What was it called? Hang on. <sighs> you look with your... Pardon? You look with your... You wear glasses to see better with your... Eyes. Yeah. Um, Eyes wide shut. There we go. Right. That's I was wondering one. how I was going to do wide shut. So thanks for that. <laughs> Cheers. Okay. Not not now. Nicole Kidman's best, right? Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, any others? <laughs> the clock ran out a oh, couple, couple of hours Nicole ago. Nicole Kidman. But... She's in. Is she in something like that? Really? She got a really dodgy Irish accent in one film. She is, and she started with Tom Cruise in two films. Isn't it far? Far and away. Far and away. That's right. That's what was it. the other film she did with Tom Cruise? Oh, uh, Days of Thunder. Absolutely. There we yes. go. Three. There we go. Wow. Ooh. Not Batman Forever. I thought you'd get Batman Forever. No, I didn't. Really where she played that. Chase Meridian opposite Val Kilmer as no, Batman. No. There we go. Um, oh, while we're on here, uh, a good film to check out from Nicole Kidman if you haven't seen it. It's uh, it's got Whacking Phoenix in it. Very young Whacking uh, Phoenix in. Um, it's called To Die For. It's incredible check it out please check it out that's great um so yes a very shortened one there we oh, will do three no no, no we're gonna do three well no we're overrunning oh okay um and we need to talk about this uh the next bit so lovely wonderful listeners of ours thank you for being with us on this journey 
which we're now at the end of seasons. We never thought. Uh, in the UK, we call it. We realise we've got a global audience, and people call it seasons rather than series. You know, we would we would say in old British oh well, season, series two, um, but no, we realise it's seasons, and people are used to that. But we never thought Thank we'd get Netflix to the end of. We never it. thought. You know, did you think that we get to the end of season two? Do you think we'd do as many films as we we've done? Because I mean, I really really enjoy doing this. Yeah, it's good fun. Yeah. And I really enjoy the fact that there are people out there. We we can see. So we log into the, 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 the analytics of the website. We can see where everybody is. Mm. We've got two listeners in Germany <laughs> and one listener in Australia. And I think there's one person in Australia that's waiting for our podcast to come out. Oh. And I'm like thinking, because of the time difference when I upload it, are they always the first person? I mean, is there somebody that are a race to try and get it? Because I uploaded the Lesson Zero. I went back to it. Before uh, you'd even... No, no, I went back to it four hours later. Now, bearing in mind, it's an hour long. And it had four plays. And I'm like, who's played that? And then I, I mean, were they sitting there waiting for the ding? And that's they before we've alert. even sort of like communicated yeah, we that it's we haven't out. told anyone we'd done it. And I was like going, Maybe you know they've what? just subscribed and like they just get instant notifications. Well, then, so it's like you, finger on the button. Whoever, whoever you are, whoever you... I can't say Whoever it. we are. Whoever, I you know are, who we are. Wherever you go. Right, um... <laughs> Wherever you are, we love you, and we'd love you to get in contact. Just tell us what you like and what you don't like, and whether or not you are that person that goes. As soon as I get the ding, I'll listen to it. In which case, we'll ferret out a special prize, but not if you're in Australia because it just costs too much. But we'll ferret. Well, no, we'll ferret something nice to do anyway. I'm sure we will. Anyway, um, the reason for starting this is because the we have very special guests to join us on our season finale which ends both the John Hughes and the teen films, uh, apart from Planes, Trains and Automobiles, caveat, um, of season season, uh, season two. Um, I've loved it. Uh, I, think it's, I think it's been good to see your reaction to films uh, of what we're doing, because um, we might not get the chance to say an awful lot, because we, as we go out and these special guests, we're going to be joined by the Nerd Alert guys, um, who basically do the uh, w, uh, WDNT podcast. Uh, so uh, it's the Disney podcast. They are incredible uh, uh, people to follow, the incredible people to listen to. Uh, we've got um, Taylor, Jack and Joe. Uh, they are just really, really great people. I can't wait to have them on our podcast. We've been on their podcast twice. Mm. Um, they've been very, very good to us. Um, please subscribe and listen to theirs. They talk about all things Marvel, Star Wars, so many different things. So many, th- uh, they, they've gone into overdrive and lockdown, so there's so much to listen to. Please go and subscribe to it. It's Just, actually been keeping you sane. It has. And it has. And, little and moments of like isolation when you're walking. <laughs> yeah. And, and then, you know, I got in contact and uh, with the, the person who runs the uh, podcast, Joe Hogarty, who no, no listens to this and has listened to on his walk. Um, and he's one of the most loveliest guys in the world. And he's such an easy guy to talk to. And we struck up a really good friendship on that. So I thought we'd return the favour and let them uh, have all their views. Um, I, I can't wait to record it. We don't quite know how we're going to do it because they're, they're based all in <laughs> oh, three different te- places in the stuff. States. It'll sort itself out. Don't one worry one about of, it. I don't know where Jack is. I can't remember where Jack is. I know Joe's in Florida. Um, uh, Taylor is in Seattle. And I don't know where Jack is. Um, but suffice to say, it's going to be a belter. We're going to do the Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club 
is my favourite. Uh, is my top three of the eighties? competition. Is your film. No, 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 no. Top top three of the eighties. Um, it's it's up there with you know Back to the Future and you know. I guess I haven't thought about my top three, but it will definitely be in there because <laughs> it, it's it's. It's brilliant. I think one of the things you said about Pretty in Pink, well, it's no Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Well, let's see if Breakfast Club can actually knock Ferris Bueller's Day Off oh. um, in your in in the world, in your in your head. Um, so yeah, there we go. Look forward to that. We'll record it as, as soon as we can, as soon as we logistically get everyone together. It's probably going to have to be like a weekend, so maybe uh, so we can get everybody in the same time zone. But we're really looking forward to it, and we're really looking forward to. I'm looking forward to watching it. I'm looking forward to recording it. We haven't even done either yet. Great. Even though I know the film off by heart. So on that note, I will say um, cheerio and see you next time. Toodle pip. Rusted junk. Rusted junk. Rusted junk. The forgotten 80s movies. The forgotten 80s movies. 